This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. My name is Justin. I'm the student ministry pastor here at Bridgeway. And this morning is, is, I'm biased, but it's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. It's our Youth Takeover Sunday where we get to highlight uh, some things that have been happening in BSM and invite some of our students to volunteer and participate in the morning service. So some of you, as you walked in this morning, you were warmly welcomed, hopefully, uh, by some of our students. And uh, we've got them volunteering back in J-Seekers. And uh, they've just been just crushing it as far as jumping into serving on our Sunday mornings. And so just grateful uh, for our high school, middle school students in the way this is, they continue to step outside their comfort zones, uh, like coming up here and talking through announcements uh, and just being a part of this church family on Sunday mornings as well. And so I'm, I'm always grateful uh, to be able to get to see them do that. But for this morning, uh, one, of, one of my favorite things that I get to do is I get to honor our graduates as we're coming up to the end of another school year. Uh, we've got some grads who are, who are already done. Some of them are f- just finishing up. Uh, last night, if you didn't know, was Rockford's prom. And so getting those grads here for the first service was just not happening, right? Like they had an awesome weekend getting ready for prom, but I I actually get to bless them hopefully and pray over them in the second service they're going to be joining us. That being said, I'm going to throw out the names of our our students who are joining us this morning as grads. And if you know them or you recognize any of these names, make sure you reach out to them and their families and just say, hey, congratulations. I'm praying over you as you transition into this new life stage. And so this morning in the second service, uh, I get to highlight and celebrate Uh, some of our students, and they are Andrew Nichols is one of them, Asher Erickson, if you know the Ericksons, make sure you you say congrats to them, Logan Paul, Bay Bauer, Brooklyn Williams, Jake Palmreiter, Libby Norris, Avery Nienheis, and Ezra Hammond are all going to be here for the second service. So I am excited to get to be with them, second service. I at least wanted to give you their names. So if, again, if you knew, you know of their families, you can reach out and, and just be praying over them and celebrating with them as well. But for this morning, church, I wanted to do something. Um, I wanted to jump into a topic of conversation that we talk about very consistently throughout BSM and our student ministries on Wednesday and Sunday nights. Uh, but before I do that, I thought there was a good segue into this. I thought I wanted to give you all a little bit of a taste of what youth group is like. So I've got a bunch of dodgeballs. No, that's not happening. But what I am doing instead is I want to give, I want to do a little icebreaker game with you this morning because every Wednesday and Sunday night, we kind of start off with a little icebreaker game. And so I need a little bit of participation from you this morning. We're going to play a little icebreaker game called Ancient Artifacts. And let me describe what this is. Some of our students in here have maybe seen this and know what this is, so they might remember some of the answers to this. But I'm going to do this. I'm going to show everyone a picture of something that's considered nowadays to be an ancient artifact. Now, that could be a piece of technology or something from that, that, that was, you know, first came around decades ago. I'm just going to show you a picture, and what I want you to do is simply turn to a person next to you or around you and give them your guess as to what you think this ancient artifact is, and then I'll reveal the answer to you. Can you all do that for me this morning? So say, yes. Okay, perfect. Let's see the first ancient artifact. Okay. Ancient artifact, I want you to turn to somebody next to you 
and say what you think this ancient artifact is. Some of you are not very happy right now because you're like, hey, I had one of these. I'm not ancient. <laughs> All right, how many of you out there, let's see what this is. How many of you out there knew that this was a beeper or a pager? Yeah. How many of you out there had a beeper or a pager? Yes. Yes. I remember when my dad first got a, a pager and my sister and I were like blown away at the technology of that thing. We thought he was so cool when he like came home with this thing on his hip, right? So there's a beeper or a pager. Let's look at another one. What's this next one we've got? Ah, oh, okay. Interesting. Same thing. Turn to the person next to you. Take a guess as to what ancient artifact this is. All right, let's see what it is. How many of you said Easy Bake Oven? Yeah, yes, Easy Bake Oven, right? It was, a, it was kind of a toy that was used to play or make food. Look at, the, look at what it says right there. Used to play or make food with a light bulb. <laughs> Seems like super safe, right? Like, I remember my sister had an Easy Bake Oven, and as the brother, I just remember mm, the delicacies that that little toy made. It was <laughs> delicious. All right, what's our next ancient artifact here? Ah, okay, yeah. All right, turn to somebody next to you if you've got a guess as to what artifact this is. All right, let's see what it is. How many of you said Betamax tape? Yeah, a few. Just a few on that one. Yeah. I remember, I remember growing up myself, and there was like the battle going on between VHS and Betamax. And it, it, Betamax was trying to be champion, crowned as champion, but obviously VHS tapes won out. But I remember my parents having a Betamax player with uh, blank Betamax tapes as well. Uh, what about this one? Huh? Turn to somebody next to you. What's your guess? All right. How many of you, let's see what it is. How many of you said pogs? Yeah? You got that one? Got that one right? I remember these were little, these little buggers were like, almost like little like caps uh, that were like, almost like paper. And you turned them upside down so they were face down. And then you took these things right here, which were called slammers. And you had to hit them on the face down caps and see how many you could flip over. And, and you would play against other people who had collections of pogs and try to win their pog pieces. It was incredibly dumb, and that's why it didn't last very long. Uh, all right, last one. Last one for you this morning. How about this? Remember what this is? All right, how many of you said... Police scanner. Yeah? Absolutely. Used to listen to police response and dispatch calls. Like, 
I remember going to my, my grandparents' house, and they had one of these, and man, there was something about this, where as a kid, it was like, man, I felt like listening to those calls, it felt like you were doing something you shouldn't be, right? Like, it was a little, like, nosy, right? But I remember this being a big deal. So here's the deal. I, I bring up these ancient artifacts, because I want to talk about one more this morning, uh, that is, I think, is kind of an ancient artifact. When you think about it, it still exists today, but it feels like something that's been an ancient artifact or been around for a long time, and that's this, a vending machine. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you out there have your favorite vending machine snack when you go on travels? How many of you have even used a vending machine in the last 20 years? <laughs> okay, right? Absolutely. Here's the deal. I, I, I remember, one of the things I remember the most about a vending machine is the fact that, A, my go-to snack, and I don't know why, this just was always it. I, if I went to a vending machine with snacks in it, I, I would, chances are I'd, I'd come out with a handful of Ruffles, cheddar, and sour cream. That was like my go-to snack for some reason. But the other thing that I remember most about vending machines is, is an experience that you would have with them. But before I get to that experience that I think all of us have probably had with a vending machine, I want to say this first. They've changed, haven't they, vending machines? They've really changed. Like now, nowadays, if you see a vending machine, they, don't, they vend more than just like chips, don't they? Like we've seen all sorts of vending machines. Now they got vending machines that, that spit out movies or headphones or cupcakes or Barry Manilow records, right? Like... Not that long ago, I actually saw a vending machine at the airport that had acne medicine in it. It's just, it's just a thing, right? Vending machines put out everything now. But there's one thing I absolutely hate about vending machines. Maybe you've shared this experience with me. It's that terrible moment when you've paid for your snack and your snack gets stuck inside the machine. It's, it's, it's that moment when the snack gets stuck on the coil, right? And it's just hanging there. And you're sitting there and you kind of, you shake it a little bit, but not enough to break the machine or whatever. But you're sitting there waiting for the snack to fall and it never wants to fall. Is there anything worse than seeing your bag of Skittles hanging by a thread on that coil like it's taunting you, mocking your every tear? I'll tell you this. The answer is no. There's nothing worse than this. <laughs> but I do think this. A lot of times it does feel like there's nothing worse than holding up your end of the deal, putting your money in, and then not getting that thing that you expected in return in your snack. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you get two, that's right. But if you think about it, I think there are actually a lot of life situations that play out like this. Where we put something into life and we expect something in return but maybe we don't experience it or we don't get it. Where you do your part, you take the right steps, but things don't ex exactly go your way. And so today as, as a send-off message to our grads, but also I think as a really good reminder to all of us, I want to talk about one area of our faith where I think this seems to happen the most, and it's this area right here, prayer. Because a lot of us have experienced this, that when it comes to prayer, we feel like we've done all, we've taken all the right steps, we've, we've done all that we're supposed to do in our prayer, maybe we've asked for things, 
And yet we don't always see our prayers getting answered. Have you ever prayed and received nothing in return? Now, I'm, I'm, uh, here's the deal. I'm not talking about like the real trivial prayers, like, God, will you help the Lions win the Super Bowl? Like, that'd be, that'd be like a crazy miracle, right? Like, that'd be, that'd be like somewhere between like raising Lazarus from the dead and parting the Red Sea, right? <laughs> like, we have, we have trivial prayers at times. I'm not necessarily talking about those. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the prayers that, that really deeply matter, to us, the type of prayers where it's more than just a little bit of disappointment if it doesn't come to fruition. We're talking about the type of prayers that just, again, they just feel like a much bigger deal. Like maybe for you, you've prayed a prayer like this. Maybe you've prayed for a, a big promotion in your workplace that you know is coming up and you know you're qualified for. And quite frankly, you know you've earned it and yet it's given to somebody else who's been there much, much less time than you have. Maybe you've prayed for that, your offer to get accepted on the dream house, but the market has been rough. And so what, just in the moment when you thought maybe that offer was gonna get accepted, they, the sellers went with another offer. Maybe, maybe you've prayed for your marriage to heal and get better, but it seems that every day that passes, you and your spouse grow further Apart, Or maybe you've prayed for a sick family member to get better, and, and they didn't. See, these are, these are more of the real requests that I believe are, are a big deal to us. And so when you put yourself out there and you pray for things like that, and the results that you want don't happen, I, I think it leaves all of us with this question. Does prayer even work? Does prayer even work? And then when we find ourselves asking ourselves that question, I think that question then leads to more questions like, am I doing it wrong? Is God mad at me? Does God even hear me at all? Does he care? Or what even is the point of prayer? And so this morning, I, I wanna do this. In the midst of talking about prayer, and how we navigate prayer, I want you to imagine God as your friend. I want you to imagine God this morning as a friend. Because I believe this. I believe when we do that and when we see God in this way, we view God in this way, especially in, when it comes to this, I think it changes the way that we interact with him and the way that we pray to him. Because chances are none of your friendships function like a vending machine, do they? Like you don't only talk to your friends if you want something. You don't, you don't blame your friends if you're struggling at work. You don't abandon your friends and they don't loan you $5 for cheese curds at Culver's. <laughs> so here's what I'm saying this morning. I, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we can't ask God for things. But I'm simply saying this instead. What if there's more to prayer than just asking and expecting to get something in return? What if there's more to prayer than just asking God for something and expecting him to give us something in return? Do you remember David in Scripture? You know, that, that little dude that slayed the giant? <laughs> 
David made some good choices in his life, but he also made some bad choices in his life. But when it came to God, Scripture tells us that David knew him. That, that David knew God. In fact, later on, David became known in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. And here's one thing that I want to bring up this morning that this guy David said about this topic of prayer. And he said this. We're going to open up to the book of Psalms. Look at chapter 145, verse 18. Psalm 145, verse 18. And it says this. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. Man, if you're, if you're looking to memorize a passage of scripture, this is a good one to start with. Because it almost repeats itself, but it adds a little something. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. What I love about this is that what David doesn't say is almost as good as what he does say. Because he doesn't say the Lord is, is near to all good people who call on him. Or he doesn't say the Lord is near to people who call on him with the right combination of elegant words. He says the Lord is near to all who call on him. Meaning this, meaning any time you talk to God, you're close to him because he's close to you. Whether you're crying out his name in, in desperation or you're yelling out his name in celebration or maybe you're somewhere in between. No matter what, God is near to all people who call on him every single time. You see, prayer draws us near to God. Prayer draws us near to God. When we pray, we're moving, maybe inching, or maybe we're taking a big step closer to God, which is a big deal because a lot of the time, like we said earlier, we wonder if God is even out there listening to us. Yet, according to David, God hears us every single time we talk to him. And then check this out. Many years after David's life, we get some insight from the apostle Paul on how to talk to God. And so Paul, as is, is, is a lot of us know, he, he writes these letters, and we see these letters manifest themselves in these different books in Scripture. And one of those is the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes a letter to the church in Ephesus. And so we're going to open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Because what Paul says here in this passage to me is crucial in remembering when it comes to our prayer lives and how we approach God. And so Ephesians 1 verses 15 to 17, it says this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, again Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus, and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You see, Paul's prayers, whether it's this one or, or other ones that we see in Scripture, 
Paul's prayers were about all sorts of things. They weren't just about one thing. He lists multiple things throughout his prayers. Some of his other prayers that you, can, that you can read in the Bible, they are. They feel like they're, man, they're all over the place. If you're throwing darts at a dartboard, they're landing all over the dartboard. It's not just hitting the bullseye. But when you think about it, isn't that what it's like with our friends? Isn't that what it's like with your friends? That when you talk with your friends, when you converse with your friends, you spend time with your friends, you get together, you laugh. You ask questions, you tell stories, you reminisce about the old times, maybe some of those ancient artifacts. You complain, you joke, you tell them things you don't tell anyone else. You see, Paul prayed all sorts of things, but he didn't pray that he or his friends would just simply get everything they asked for. In the midst of Paul praying for all sorts of things, that's, that's one thing that he never asked for or prayed for. Paul simply prayed to get to know God better. You see, prayer helps us know God better. You see, this is, this is where I think sometimes as Christians, we can, myself included, we can just get our wires crossed. I recently heard a pastor out of Texas named Keenan Clark say this on a, pad, a podcast of his, and, and it struck me. He brought up this idea that, that so often we define whether or not we have a vibrant prayer life by our feelings. Let me explain that. He goes on to say, he, he, he means this, that as we enter prayer, we sometimes enter into prayer with the ultimate goal of feeling something, which essentially is, is like looking to get something out of prayer. And we find ourselves asking the type of questions of like, well, what, what can I get out of prayer? Or what can prayer do for me? And we end up equating the presence of God to a feeling or emotion and so again, this pastor said that if we recognize that we do this, that we enter into prayer at times with this goal of feeling something, that we have to recognize that we've entered into prayer trying to get something instead of trying to get next to someone. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm guilty as charged. That when I, think of, when I think of my own prayer life, I know there's been times in my life where I've gone to God hoping to get something from him. I've absolutely done this. At times I've, I've, I've entered into prayer with the hope and goal that I feel something powerful. Like, God, give me something here because I'm not feeling it in life right now and I just need you, to, I just need to feel something here. Or, or I go into prayer hoping that I, that I feel moved or, or that I get something out of it or that God blesses me. And yet when we do this, I think this, I think we overlook the opportunity to just sit in the presence of God and get to know him. Again, I'm not saying that we can't ever, that we're never supposed to ask for things. That's not what we're talking about this morning. Instead, I, I, I have to reflect and look in the mirror and go, how many times, God, do I come to you expecting something from you? Instead of just wanting to lean in, sit in your presence, and get to know you.
You ever heard the story of the sisters, Mary and Martha, who, who have Jesus as a guest in their home? And, and you've got the one sister in, Mar- in, in Martha who's just prepping and getting ready. And she's, Martha's frantically cooking and cleaning because she knows she's got Jesus in her home. And she's like, everything's got to be perfect and everything's got to be ready. And so she's, she's cooking and cleaning and getting ready. And she gets mad because her sister Mary is just sitting there chilling with Jesus in the living room and not helping at all. You see, maybe we get so wrapped up in our surrounding busyness that like Martha, we're missing Jesus sitting in our home. While we could be like Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the wisdom of Christ, soaking in his presence. You see, if we're to get to know God, we've got to sit in his presence. I don't know if you're like me, but there, there's times where uh, it's, some of you have known this about me because either you've heard me preach or you've talked to me. I can tend to be long-winded sometimes. <laughs> And I know I can do the same when I enter into prayer. I just be like, God, and I just go, 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 go. And God, and I believe that God wants me to talk to him and he wants to hear me out and he wants me to bring things to him. But sometimes I pray, my, my way of praying is so often just me talking at God constantly, ending it and never stopping to actually listen to what he has and how he's speaking into my life and sit in his presence. You see, if we're, again, if we're to get to know God, that we are, we're called to sit in his presence. And, and knowing someone is different than knowing about someone, isn't, isn't it? Like, I could, I don't know, I know about Tom Cruise. It doesn't mean I know Tom Cruise. I just know about him. Here's what I love about prayer. Sometimes, sometimes God answers our requests And he graciously gives us exactly what we've prayed for, what we've asked for. But sometimes it's it's a slow process, maybe. You've experienced this. You've prayed and it's a slow process. And we don't recognize the prayer being answered because it's being answered in a different way than we expected in, in a different timing than we expected. And then there's sometimes we pray and it feels like we got the exact opposite of what we prayed for. And it's frustrating. Trust me, I get it. But whatever the outcome, continuing to develop the habit of praying will help us get to know God better. It will help us get to know who he is better. And if we do that, I believe that that will lead to us trusting his heart more. And if we get to know God better by soaking in his presence, by sitting in his presence, we will also start to trust his heart more. And the more you trust God's heart, the more you can live with the outcome of your prayers, no matter which direction they land, because you're seeking out his will instead of your way. And so this morning, church, whether you're a high school grad who's getting ready to head off to college or college was a long time ago for you, I think there's a few things that we can take from this passage from Paul when it comes to prayer. Here's the first one. Say thanks and don't stop. 
Paul said again, for this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Think about this. We pray for things to happen all the time, don't we? We do. There's nothing wrong with that. We pray for things to happen all the time. Specifically, we pray for things to happen, the same thing to happen over and over at times. Sometimes if it does happen, I know this to be true myself, I I might say thanks real quick, if even at all. (laughs) We breeze right by the thank you part. And then we move on to that next thing that we want to pray for. And yet Paul says, I have not stopped giving thanks. If we just remembered, if we just remembered the vigor with which we prayed for something, when it comes time to actually thank God, when that prayer has come to fruition. Because I believe that continual thanksgiving continues to draw us in closer to God because it recognizes who he is. So Paul says, say thanks and don't stop. He also says this, remember what God has already done and don't forget it. Remember what God has already done and don't forget it. Paul says, I'm remembering you. Church of Ephesus, I'm remembering you in my prayers. I haven't stopped giving thanks for you and I haven't stopped praying for you. Remember what God has already done and don't forget it. The church of Ephesus, Paul is saying, I'm grateful for what God is doing in you. I'm grateful for how God has moved in you. And I'm going to call it out and recognize it and acknowledge it. See, I believe this remembering part is vital to our prayer life. And it plays into giving thanks to God. Because we're so, I, I know this about myself. We're so quick to forget, aren't we? But what if we made a point to remember and out of remembrance, we praise God for what he's already done. Remembering the movements of God in our lives helps us stay faithful during the times that it feels like nothing is happening. We can be like the Israelites led out of Egypt, can't we? By Moses, totally forgetting the fact that God just parted the Red Sea so that we could exit our slavery and instead focusing on the fact that we're wandering in the desert and it feels like God is nowhere and there's no plan. And yet Paul brings up the fact that he's remembering God's goodness when he prays. Whether he he feels it right now or not, he remembers it. And God's blessings when he prays and God's faithfulness when he prays. And remembering those things, I believe, will help us be thankful. Even when it feels like God's not answering our prayers the way that we hoped he would. You see, I, I believe it feels backwards, but remembering who God is can help us learn to be thankful even in the moments when our prayers get answers that we didn't expect or want because we know who God is and we trust his will. And then lastly, Paul asks. And not only did Paul ask, but he said, I keep asking. I keep asking and I keep asking. You see, after Paul has given thanks, after he's remembered the ways in which God has already moved, then he asks. A lot of the time, we just kick right off with asking, don't we? And yet Paul gives us a model for acknowledging who God is first and then coming to him with our requests. And so if the motives are right, keep asking. 
If the motives are right, keep asking. If we're seeking out God's will, keep asking. And I'll cap it off with this. In 1 John 5, 15, it says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. At church this morning, I just got to say, that's, I love that about God, that God hears us. That God hears us. No matter how, how close we are or how far away from him we've been, God hears us. I remember at my wedding reception, uh, my wife's 93-year-old Aunt Alice was sitting right next to my father-in-law as he stood up to give the speech. And uh, I'll never forget her Aunt Alice as my father-in-law starts speaking. Again, she's right next to him. God bless her. She was 93. He starts talking and she goes, can't hear ya. And like everybody was like, everybody heard that. Like she said that extremely loudly. What I love about God is that no matter how close we are or how far we've been, when we speak, he listens. He hears us. And so I, wanted, I just want to simply do this this morning. I want to encourage us as a church. I want to encourage us as students, as grads heading into college to remember that God hears you. God hears you. Even in the moments when it feels like he's distant, he hears you. And man, if we can just remember the ways that God has come through and keep that at the forefront of our minds when we continue to go back to him and ask for things or thank him or praise him. And so I wanna wrap up this morning simply with gratitude for the fact that we get to worship a God who does just that, who hears us. And so I'll, actually, I want to invite one of my middle school students up to the stage, and he's going to wrap us up in prayer. Can you guys put your hands together for Sawyer Scheffler? I'm blessed by this dude. He's one of our middle schoolers, and I have him in my small group, and I get to hear this dude pray every week. And I just knew that you would, you would just be blessed by this guy this morning to hear him pray. So I just want, I just want us to hear his prayer this morning as we wrap up and pray and get to worship some more together. So let's do this. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we were all able to come here and that we were able to gather in this place and just know about you more and that we were to just be blessed by this time to know you more and that we would just um, take in Justin's message and that we would that we would just consider how we pray and not be um, like when we pray, just like not continue to ask, but be continue to be grateful. We just thank you that we were able to come here. We are so grateful that we were able to gather in this place and that I pray that as we approach all these summer activities that we would be able to still focus on you. Is that it may be busy and I know I'm going into baseball, people of soccer and lacrosse that we just be able to keep focusing on you and take time just five minutes a day. Just Bible study can really, really help just be focused on you. And I pray that we would just continue to keep our eyes on you and that everybody in this church would just be on high times with you and those with low times would just come to get to know you. And I, and I thank you for everything you've done in my life and everything you've done in everybody else's and that they would all come to know you and everyone who's just questioning what, the, what they're doing in their relationship, that they just come to settle today, that you are the one true God and that you really do. 
create miracles. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or our website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the sermon discussion guide. 